So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Colon, built-in microwave, <gasps> semicolon. semicolon. Uh, the design aesthetic of the Jetsons. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you. You have some strong opinions. I have some strong opinions. Did you want to? How did you want to structure this? Should we start with? Hey, so here's the cool artwork and all the great things about the Jetsons. Um, sure, and then segue yeah. into. Or did we need to get the other stuff? A done litany first? of complaints. Yeah, a litany of complaints. Yeah. Um, so um, we can definitely start with like how it looks, which is pretty cool. Although I was told, yes, that uh, Damon told me that the reason that because I said like, why are there houses on stilts? Why yeah. is everyone on stilts? And he said because of pollution. Oh, uh, I mean that's not revealed in the show in the first episode. Right. Okay. I was like, how? I don't. I don't know that that, that. Yeah. No. That's not revealed in the first. That's not even revealed in the first like four episodes that I watched. Um, okay. Basically, my understanding is it's just the future, and they all live in the, you know, in the sky. Yeah. They're so. Um, but that's a lot of infrastructure. Why would they live in the sky? Well. Okay. So before Am we I get to that, this? yeah. Before we get to that, let's just if you're not familiar with the Jetsons. Okay, um, right. First things first. Yeah, first things first. So, The Jetsons was an American animated sitcom uh, by Hanna Barbera Productions, and it was uh, it was basically aired on in primetime from 1962 to 1963, um, and then later there were reruns and and syndication um, from 1985 to 1987. Uh, there were some new episodes as part of the futuristic world of Hanna-Barbera block. Um, and it was basically the space age counterpart to the Flintstones. So uh, the, this, those of you who have watched the Jetsons know already what we're talking about. Um, those of you who haven't, it's a, it's, you know, a late sixties or no early sixties um, cartoon. So the animation style is, you know, it's hand drawn at this point. Uh, it's it's pretty great. I think it's very consistent. Everything yeah, is yeah, it's really yeah. consistent. Um, it looks like uh, it's kind of funny. It, it reminds me of um, <clears throat> like when old ad agencies used to have to like hand paint and design all of their mm-hmm. ad materials. Yeah, like, it reminds me very much of like an ad that somebody's pitching at a meeting. Yeah, and and the like when they would put up, you know, like a poster in the background, like imagine this, and they have like a like actual artwork to help describe the concept that they're going for with whatever ad they're. Yeah, and everything has this aesthetic of like, um, like very clean lines and uh and and beautiful swooping curves and. Um, like very sort of like complementary colors, um, mm-hmm. 
And like, so, do you remember yeah. like the boomerang shapes on the tabletops mm-hmm. from the sixties? Yep. Like the stars, six pointed stars, stars. Maybe not six pointed stars, but stars and like yeah, stars shapes. and boomerang shapes and for Micah. And so everything is in the Jetsons. You can tell it's futuristic because everything has a little halo around it, like a little um, a little circle. So like, <laughs> oh, like an orbit. Like an orbit. Yeah, everything yeah. has a little orbit around it. If it's a pointy bit, it has an orbit at the end. If it's, you know, like her bracelets. Uh, well, okay, so let's back up a little bit. So it's a sitcom. Ostensibly, it's a sitcom about a family. Um, and it's George Jetson and his family. And I say that not because um, I'm being particularly sexist. It's just it is. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that. Um, but <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> the Jetson. So there's George Jetson. There's Jane Jetson, um, the wife. There's uh, Elroy, the youngest son, and um, and uh, Judy. Judy. Judy, the teenage daughter. So, right. uh, and they live in this sort of city in the clouds. And the city, like the city, is basically made of these like sort of apartment block buildings and various you know commercial buildings and they all they are all on these um these pillars or these kind of like stilts right that yes, you stilts. never see the ground you don't know where the ground is it's just it it's city all the way down as far as you can tell and all of the all of the buildings are just on these impossibly skinny long legs that just go way down um off mm-hmm. the screen it's all just, yeah off yeah. the screen so it's all just kind of in the sky right um everything is like kind of like round with these you know big windows and and bubble domes and weird pointy antennas and and lots of lots of the the legs have those little orbits around them um yeah like everything looks like a um like an early drawing of an atom like a simplistic drawing of a hydrogen atom right so it's like there's the nucleus and then there's that that line circle around it that's the orbit of the one electron Uh, so everything kind of has that vibe going on um yeah. So anyway, so that's setting the scene. And then uh, there, the world they live in is like highly automated. So everything is about pushing buttons to get what you want. Um, you don't walk around in your own apartment. There's like a, you know, a, 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 con- mo- a, little, a conveyor, a belt. conveyor belt. Yeah, yeah. There's like conveyor belts from your bed to the kitchen and to the, you know, and everything <laughs> just sort of appears and, and shuttles you around. Um, it's kind of like it reminds me. Well, I guess Wally reminds me of that a little bit because mm-hmm. everybody follows these like prescribed paths in their little floaty sofa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. What is it about everyone conceptualizing the future that nobody even moves? <laughs> I don't know. Stop moving. The hilarious thing about the the Jetsons is that everyone is like pretty fit. Yeah. Well, I don't know. George has kind of got that like middle-aged father, like sort of round roundness to him. But um, yeah. Anyway. Well, his wife and daughter have eating disorders. We figured that out. In the first yeah, episode. real quickly. Yes. Yeah. So that's how they maintain their figures. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, anyway, so we've set the scenes. Um, the scenes. The scene. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah, well, so I always really enjoyed the Jetsons when I was a kid because I, like, <clears throat> I always identified with whoever like the main character was. Their, mm-hmm. their, um, the gender that they conveyed was less important to me. Mostly, I think, not because I didn't notice a difference between like 
men and women, for instance, as a kid, but because like it kind of seemed non-applicable to me personally. Like, right. What what relevance does that have to me? None. Right. Um, like I at no point are any of these things revolve like revolving around genitalia as part of the operation of the yeah, experience. Yeah, uh, the like, operation of the experience. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, the I always remembered thinking when I grew up. That I would be the one with the suitcase car. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. oh, well, in the future, I'm going to live in a house on stilts, and my food's going to come out of a computer, and I'm going to drive this, like, flying saucer to work that folds up into a briefcase. Like, yeah. that sounds pretty good. Yes. I'm down for this. <laughs> yes. But, like, if you would have the model actually translate the way that it was designed to, I would be the one pushing the buttons in the kitchen for the food and doing, like finger exercises uh-huh so to keep myself in shape for making breakfast for my husband yeah i um <laughs> <laughs> so God. it was kind of a shock to me to rewatch this as a f- like yeah year old adult and be like hey wait a second <laughs> yeah well so i <laughs> like I, like I, yeah i think I, as a yeah. kid it's amazing to me how much all of that um i don't want to say it went over my head i was fully aware of it i just it made no sense and so I was like, okay, yeah. those that's I, that's weird adult silliness, and they don't make any sense. Because for me, this show was all about the gadgets all the time. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah, you're like, oh, he's got a flying car. This is fantastic. Or um, a robot made. I was remembering. So when I watched the show, and then I I remember. So at the end of the show, after the credits, there's like always this same sort of wrap up scene where mm-hmm. it's I think it's like it's uh, George Jetson like out on a. Um, it's like him going through his home and having all the problems as he visits like all of his family members and ending with him walking um walking their dog on the outdoor like treadmill that's just yes. sort of like and then a cat shows up and then the dog chases the cat on the treadmill um so that that's always the same and yet I remember being excited to watch that at the end because I liked the concept of like like having this treadmill over you know, it's just sticking outside over nothingness, right? Like it's sort yes. of um like all of this is sort of like this concept of like they're in space but there's atmosphere a little bit. Yeah. Um I mean I know it's it's in the upper atmosphere of the planet, which is also insane, but um again, ridiculous. But to me it was yeah. always the gadgets, right? Like they had this like um you know, this thing that made food for them and like the way like all of that was the fascinating part. And so I think my yeah, mind the food pops up out of the center of the table. Yeah. Yeah. Holy buckets, right? Yeah. And like washing dishes was literally just throwing them away, pushing a button, <laughs> yeah. pushing a button. So something else would come and throw them away for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I feel like I had entirely missed the social construct constructs that were going on or all of the other things. Because for me, like you, it was like whoever was the main character I was like, this is great. I relate to this. This is exciting. Yeah, you identify with the main character, not yeah. with like the weird gender roles that they constructed or something like that. Right. And the like, way, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way they move through their world was entirely what fascinated me because it's always in the scenes. If they're walking or they're moving, you don't know what's going to come off of screen and then they have some interaction. And so it's this whole thing of like, them on this like crazy like disney ride or 
or whatever. And that's all really fascinating to me. And the whole thing about them, like talking to their, you know, their siblings or their parents or their children or their bosses or their wives or their husbands or whatever, all of that just was like, none of that makes sense. I'm already not having good interactions with my own family. So I get that fine. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just throw that away. Focus on the good stuff. (laughs) Anyway. Um, yeah. So now you have some notes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I do. So let's talk. Let's talk about the real problem here. The real problems with the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah, have nothing to do with the design aesthetic. No. Um, so I, when I tried to, it, the whole this has been quite a saga. So I was in a surly mood by the time I got to the Jetsons anyway, <laughs> because in my life right now I have like two computers, one of which does not have a working keyboard, and the other of which is like very, very, very old mm-hmm. and is a beautiful computer, or was at the time, but it just can't sometimes keep up with the demands of like streaming multiple things over the internet mm-hmm. and recording and things like that. Right. And so in order to... Um, stream the videos. In, in order to stream the videos for the Jetsons, I had to <laughs> download them to uh, a computer that was not this computer and then that got cumbersome and so I tried to download them to this computer but then I didn't have the right things installed to watch them and so then I had to install some stuff but anyway it went back and forth and there were just a, a like a number of things that prevented me from actually watching the episodes and so by the mm-hmm. time I got there yeah I was like this is gonna be great I can't wait oh my god and so I sat down and I, w- I was like all ready to take you know, like mental notes at least on yeah. the things about the design aesthetic. So I underestimated two things. I underestimated the actual length of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's a full 29 minutes. Yes. Yeah. It's like a whole television show. Yeah. There was one ad. It was for Colgate toothpaste. Yes. And it's built into the cartoon. Right. Hand drawn at the beginning by the same yes. artists that make the. Yeah. It's... Yes. So they that's I think where this ad you know like this advertising this marketing aesthetic comes yeah. from because i think the cartoon is just a bunch of like marketing around the ad yes like who so okay the other thing i underestimated was how distracting the sexism was going to be and oh, then i God. realized yes. like i i'm not going to take notes on the design aesthetic which is pretty straightforward I, i'm gonna i have to take like notes on the actual yes like yeah linguistic effect of the show and so i I did like oh, I sat down and actually did like a a minute by minute like whenever somebody would say something whenever there was a piece of dialogue I would pause it and make a note on the time and what the what the issue is uh-huh. um because I did a critical analysis on the entire episode and it took me like several hours I, sure, I was yeah. standing in my kitchen doing it the whole time and uh-huh. like watch you know like doing other stuff and like anytime somebody said something that was crazy I paused it well I ended up just it was I almost in some cases omitted the number markers or the minute markers because like virtually no time had passed since the last complaint before the next one so right. anyway um yeah, design aesthetic is great. I love their I love their outfits. Like yes. I love the women the women's dresses. Like I would wear both Judy and Jane's outfit for sure. Yeah, they're fantastic. But, yeah, so like I the first thing I noticed was in the intro when they're driving. Like this cartoon starts with them driving in the car. Yep. Or George Jetson is driving and he's dropping everybody off in the morning on his way to work. Yes. So he's driving and in the front seat is his young son. Yes. So the women in the story are in the backseat. Right. Like his wife isn't sitting next to him with the kids in the backseat. No. 
his young son. Would be yeah. probably the the expected. Maybe I don't know arrangement today, or like she's driving and he's in the seat. whatever. Adults up front, kids back. Is it safer? Yes. Maybe this doesn't hold for little UFO cars. I don't know. <laughs> so I I, no- I just noticed in the intro. Okay, well they're shoved in the back seat together. Uh, George Jetson drops his son Elroy off at an elementary school. Yes. He drops his daughter off at a high school. Yep. And he drops his wife off at the department store. Right. Yes. Yes. Because all women do is shop, of course. <laughs> right. And before he lets her off, she puts her hand out expectantly. Yes. They focus in on her hand. Yeah. Fr- in the frame of the cartoon, it's just her hand. As in like, I'm holding my hand out for a handout. And he goes to hand her some money out of his wallet and she just snatches the wallet. Yeah. Uh, the underlying subtext, of course, is your bitchy wife is a gold digger. Right. God. Drop her off at the mall. Uh huh. Before you slave away at work, and so he proceeds on to work, and then he gets there and like moves on the little people mover to his little desk. Uh huh. And the desk reminds me also like of the you know the cliche like desk in The Simpsons where Homer Simpson is at his like little surround desk and yes. he doesn't do anything all day. Yep. Anyway, so he gets there and he like puts his feet up exhausted because it was so hard being in the car with those people. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so at minute, uh, the intro takes about a minute and then at one minute, four seconds, there's the Colgate commercial. Yep. And I had these questions at that time. What time of day was this on? Who are they selling things to? Right. <laughs> Like, was well, the audience yeah. kids or was it adults? Because as I came to find, like, all the whole show is just adult sex jokes. That's all it is. Yeah. So it was, um, it was aired on primetime, uh, which means that, uh, let's see. I'm just going to look and see what. Uh, like not so- sex jokes per se, but like no, jokes no, no. Yeah. that adults make about their spouses, like you know, like adult jokes, like like jokes about like your bitchy wife and like uh like your ball and chain and stuff. Like they're all just and the and like oh anyway. Um, so so while it was you're it was it was a family show in the evening, like a sitcom. Like you were supposed to watch this with your whole family? I mean, I don't know. It was on primetime, so that means it was available for families to watch. Right? That was it was after work TV time. Okay, that's nuts. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> so, episode 1 starts with like Yes. Jane and she's standing in front of a television uh-huh. with a guy kind of like Richard Simmons, you know, like exercise. Yes. Uh-huh. And he's ha- she looks all like tired and bedraggled. Yes. And he's like doing exercises and he's like, okay, uh, like he we don't even make it like a ha- half of a minute in before the man on the television telling Jane the mother what to do makes a fat joke about everybody watching. Uh huh. Yes. Like he makes some comment about like he implies the audience is fat with a double tin- chin joke. Uh-huh. And so like she's sitting there doing finger exercises because like all of her work as a domestic slave is about pushing buttons for her husband and children, right? Uh-huh. And so like she's doing these little finger exercises to keep her fingers limber. Yes. Um 
because you know you don't want to be fat. Right. The guy on TV says, and at a minute fifty four, her daughter Judy interrupts to ask permission to go swimming after school. Yes. And so she's like, no, you can't go swimming. And she and they like drop these hints left and right that are kind of like scene building. Mm -hmm. For example, she says, like, you can't go. If you go swimming, you won't be home in time for dinner. And she's like, in Acapulco? And she's like, oh, I thought you meant Hawaii. Uh (laughs) So apparently, like, in the future, you can get everywhere you want within a really short amount of time by these pneumatic tunnels. You just have to push the right buttons, (laughs) Right, right? Right, yes. Yeah, more on that later. Yeah. So, uh, so Judy comes in and like her Jane, the mom is like, "No, you can't go swimming." She's like, "Oh, come on!" And she's like, "Okay, go ask your father." So then Judy like wanders over or like zooms over on the little people mover that uh, yes. mysteriously goes straight to his chair. Yes. Um, and he's asleep, and so she says, "Uh, hey, I'm gonna go swimming or whatever." Ah, uh, thanks, Dad. And he doesn't say anything, which she assumes like you know no pro- protest at all is equivalent. To consent which right. we've all learned is not the case <laughs> yes just right. reiterate when you ask and somebody doesn't say anything that does not equate yes right so uh she goes back to her mom jane and she's like oh he says it's okay and then she like tells her mom hey you're crazy you're way out and her mom's like what does that mean and she's like that's what teenagers used to say like in old slang and jane's like all confused about it and like that doesn't make any sense and uh and she's like i i don't understand that old slang i'm only 33 and i'm like what (laughs) right (laughs) like retro record scratch Uh fucking what so we already know from the intro that the Baby in the family is like a kindergartner. Yes. We know that Judy's in high school. Yes. And Jane is 33? Yeah. The mom is 33. So immediately I'm like, maybe Judy is a daughter from George's first marriage. Oh, maybe. Uh, so that's a question I wrote to myself. Uh-huh. How old? So I did some like margin napkin math. Yeah. Um. If Judy's in high school and Jane is 33, the age at which Jane conceived Judy is roughly at best 19 and at worst 15. Right, right. Which basically I would say it, it she's probably like the writers were probably like she's 18. So she had a baby because then right. she married George. Right. Who's, who's so. Yeah. Yeah. So I eventually like more and more gets revealed in this episode and I kind of feel like I should just keep going so that you yes. follow my train of thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking like, all right, somewhere in there, yeah. like if Jane is actually Judy's mother, then Jane had a teenage pregnancy, which in the sixties would have been like, what? <laughs> Scandalous. What? We're shipping you off to a girl's home. Uh-huh. We're, we're telling everyone you went away to sleepaway camp this summer. And in fact, you had an abortion or like whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't just be like, yeah, it's tw-. at no point during the 1960s when this cartoon was made, culturally speaking. Mm-hmm. And at no point in the future implied, would it have been or will it be acceptable to have a 15 year old pregnant? Right. Like, it just, uh, I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, it doesn't fit culturally. Anyway, so um, at two minutes and 43 seconds, Jane asks Judy what she wants for breakfast. And Judy, the daughter, says, no, thanks. I'm on a diet. So the first thing Jane does when she wakes up in the morning uh-huh. is she, like, 
wake and bakes, but with exercise. Right. Because the man on the television is telling her about her double chin and how fat she is. Yeah. And if she gets too fat, she won't be able to make breakfast. And then (laughs) she waits around till her kid shows up. Uh Her high school age daughter shows up demanding breakfast or whatever. Jane says, do you want breakfast? And she's like, no, I'm on a diet. Right. Okay. I self-evident but maybe i think it's self-evident why that's fucking crazy no yeah it is i mean we can i i think if we stop to um like fully explain and analyze every issue we will be here a long time um we can go back we we can sum up and then we can get into it so anyway sorry keep going all right so jane asks judy where her bathing suit is and judy says oh it's right here and pulls this like minuscule shred of fabric out of her pocket yes right Right? like adult sex joke this is adult sex joke yeah so she's like uh you just add her mom's like that's not a bathing suit that's too small like where's the rest of it or whatever and she's like it's one of those like water activated you just add water and let the boys fizz yes right it's so bad and Jane says, "Yeah, oh, to be 15 again. So we now know that Judy is 15 years old, which right. means 33 minus 15 equals 18. So she was 18 when she had Judy. Yep. And then Jane says her measurements used to be 32, 22, 32, oh, to be 15 again. So Jane has impossibly, physically impossibly small measurements when she supposedly was 15, which means that like a short time after she had the measurements, 32, 22, 32, an adult man got her pregnant. Yes, right. And ruined her figure. And now the man on the television is telling her she's fat. Yes. And if she gets any fatter, she can't make dinner for her children or breakfast for her children. But her daughter's uh, got an eating disorder. Who knows where that came from? So can I can I speculate for a minute? Yes. I'm I'm just imagining. So I, I had a similar experience. Like I, I was watching this and I was just like, oh, God, like they're just piling it on thick. And I but now that we're talking about it, I'm I'm imagining I I have like two ideas in my mind. One is that the writers thought all of this that we just talked about. Yeah. Or two, they didn't. And and <laughs> and the re- and they didn't and the reason that these, you know, that we end up with this story is because that was just kind of the idealized norm, right? Like just socially speaking, it was like, well, that's the white picket fence of like achievement. You you know, as the man-centric thing, it's like you marry an 18-year-old, you get her pregnant, and you have your your amazing kids, and you, you know, live your life. Like, yeah. I mean, it's very, like, and so it, it's all from a man's perspective of, like, well, she had, like, when I fucked her, she had these, you know, this is how she looked. Yeah. And, and she was this young. And that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, that's so fucked up, though. Oh, super fucked up. I'm just imagining in my head, it's like, the people who wrote this, like, what were they thinking? Was this just kind of like, like, just going to the store and we just take off the off the shelf, like, this is the socially, like, normal thing, like, everybody just thinks this way, because that's the way society yeah. is right now? Or was it more thought out in the sense that they're like, well, how old is she? Well, she'll have to be young, 33 which means her daughter has to be 15 or however they worked it out. But they definitely thought about it and they were like, well, she can't be any younger because she can't be 17. But as soon as she's 18, it's good. So let's keep her that way. Instead of just being like, well, you know, she was 24, like after college or whatever. It's like, no, they didn't think about any of that. They probably just were like, we just got to make sure these numbers line up so that it's not disgusting. 
Right. And obviously they did think about it because they went to the trouble of saying in the first three minutes that yes. one of them is 33 and the other is 15. Yeah, right. Like they didn't just stumble into those numbers by accident. Yeah. Like it didn't pass the editorial process. And somebody was like, how these numbers get in here? And they're like, I don't know. Like, no, they did it on fucking purpose. They yes. fucking did it on purpose. Yeah. So three minutes, 25 seconds. Elroy tries to stay home from school by misbehaving, by walking on the ceiling. How charming. Jane uh-huh. jumps up to make breakfast for him. She uses a computer for less than 20 seconds. Food materializes out of the dining table. Yeah. And then she grouses about the workload and is like, Thank God that's over. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? These people are insufferable. So at four minutes and two seconds, she uses an ejector dial to get her husband out of bed. Like there's actually a robot machine in her house. Yeah, it's like a it, it's like a um it's like a kiosk size, like soda machine size <laughs> object yes. with a big sign on the top that says ejector with a lightning bolt over the top of it. And then yeah. and then like a big dial in the middle. Right. A rotary dial that lets yeah. you select the thing you want to eject. Yes, right. And there's one for husband. Yeah, there's like toast records husband. Yeah. So he comes out. Uh-huh. And like in the meantime here, like Elroy's eating his food and like his eggs don't come out right and it's because the machine is on the fritz and uh-huh. like how is she supposed to be able to do her job if she has this subpar equipment to work with and like all this stuff right doesn't so, she like okay. hurt her finger pushing a button yes, pu- yes. Oh, yeah, at four minutes and 21 seconds yeah. Jane hurts herself pushing the egg button <laughs> uh-huh. Elroy studies advanced finger painting and electronics and Siberian salt mines uh-huh. at school. And Jane has a damaged finger and she tells him, don't pick fights with little Russian boys <laughs> at school. Because he's like, oh, we're going on this field trip to Siberian salt mines or whatever. And yeah. she's like, don't pick fights with little Russian boys. Right. God. And I'm like, is this still like was this like the hangover of the red scare like were were we still all about hating russians uh, yeah like is the implication there that that russians like work in the salt mines and you're gonna go visit them in the salt mines and don't go pick on the little russian boys who work yeah, in the I salt mines so. in the salt mines so there's child labor here too child labor well i guess the implication is that russia still has child labor right like that's the right. like they're like oh russia's bad because they have child labor which of course you know anyway <laughs> Uh, oligarchs yeah uh Uh, yeah so jane uh she loads him into the pneumatic tube to send him off yeah and the pneumatic tube is like the ones you use at the bank to send your little Uh uh-huh check back and forth yeah so uh when you pull up to the the drive-thru right yeah exactly yes not in the lobby no (laughs) um (laughs) so she he puts her she puts him in the tube and he tells her push the right button mom Uh like she has to be policed by everyone around her all the fucking time like she was smart enough to get knocked up at 18 and have you guys Uh so also like the age difference between judy and elroy is like nine and a half or six and a half years eight and a half years i wrote it down somewhere we'll get there yeah so anyway so the kid is like scolding her in advance for you know, sending him to the wrong place. Uh-huh. Um, and you look and on the panel button, like the panel for the buttons for this pneumatic travel machine. Yeah. There are options, um, but there are only seven of them and they are limited to school, mm-hmm. 
garage, mm-hmm. market, office, bank, shop, which apparently must be for Jane, uh-huh. and reject. Right. So that's great. Those are the only places you're allowed to go. Um, at six minutes and seven seconds, George complains about his cold breakfast. Uh-huh. And uh, it's noted that the food computer is on the fritz. He tells Judy, when we were first married, you could punch out breakfast like this. And now you're all thumbs. Uh, Jane, you mean his wife. Jane. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Freudian slip. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Current events, such and such. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, like he basically is like, wow, you. It, that's obviously a sex joke. Yes. It's not about breakfast. That joke was not about breakfast. No, I know. Yeah. It's it's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. So George Jetson denigrates his wife's sexuality at breakfast. Yep. At six minutes and 14 seconds, Jane says, it's not me. It's this old machine. And then blames George for not working hard enough to be able to afford the type of um, appliances that she thinks are yes up to her standards. Yeah. And then at six minutes and 27 seconds, the machine explodes. Yeah. So she demands a new one. Jane demands a new one. George scolds her for asking emphatically, like he yells at her. Yeah. He, like the person voicing the cartoon raises his voice and yells at her. Mm-hmm. Um, she sweetly pretends not to hear him and then insists that he ask his boss for a raise. Yes. So at seven minutes and 15 seconds, he's so flustered, he runs face first into a door. <laughs> and then Jane bitches about her household duties. And uh-huh. then she calls her, she refers to herself as a girl. Yes. And then she calls her mom on the phone. Yeah. So the moral of the story is, like, for the rest of your life, no matter what your role in a household, if you're a woman, men will yell at you, make you feel like you're not good enough, insinuate that you're stupid or fat or can't have sex well enough anymore or make eggs if, you know, you want to take it literally. Right. And then you will f- you will refer to yourself as a girl, infantilize yourself, and call your mother for support. Oh, God. At seven minutes and 53 seconds, her mom picks up the phone without hearing anything from Jane and says, what did George do now? And Jane's like, how did you know? And she's like, get a maid. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. And so at eight minutes and 20 seconds, Jane decides to go get a free trial robot maid. Mm-hmm. At eight minutes and 35 seconds, it cuts to George at work and he decides he should ask for a raise because he is indispensable. And he decides that Jane is right. He should ask for a raise because he's an amazing man, not Jane is right. He should ask for a raise because their shit sucks and he should be like the one fixing it. So, um, and by indispensable, actually what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he decides that he's indispensable. He talks himself up in his head so much that he decides that the company he works for could not function without him. And so he's basically going to give his boss an ultimatum. Give me a razor, I quit, and you're going to ruin the business, right? Yeah, and the joke is that he's sitting, lounging in a chair in front of a massive panel, and there's one button that he has to push. Right. And he pushes it like like one time or something. Yeah. Right, and then he pushes the other button, and then he pushes the one button again. Yes, yes, right. So on off yeah on again yes right i am indispensable my wife is right i'm amazing that is not what your wife was saying my friend so at nine minutes and 19 seconds yeah his boss is on the phone with his racist wife yes um discussing her um like martians go home protest Uh uh-huh which is like 
analogous to like white people kicking black people out of their neighborhood and saying like yep. go home or yep. go back where you came from yep. so um, there's more racism I've counted racism three times so far so his racist wife is like oh I can't make you dinner tonight I can't make you dinner tonight because I'm going to a, I'm leading a racist rally to kick Martians out of our neighborhood yes right and he whines, but Stella, and then hangs up on her and says, and to think I married that woman 30 years ago because she could cook. Uh-huh. Holy fucking shit. I'm losing my mind at this point in my kitchen. I'm like, I'm not even going to make it to t- 20 more minutes of this show. Like every line so far has either been a racist joke, a sexist joke, or the setup necessary to make that punchline. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. just yeah, it's it's not good. No, so at ten minutes in, there's a reason uh, this show isn't like syndicated still and on air all the time. I yeah, apparently. So at ten minutes, the boss decides to take advantage of the fact that George Jetson's wife's cooking is better than his wife's cooking, or at least in available. Right, because his wife is unavailable to cook for him. Right, and so he. Uh, when George asks for a raise, the boss is like, hey, how about you invite me over for dinner? Yeah, right. Yeah. And just uses me, George as a means to an end to feed himself. Yes. Like, anyway, so the boss decides, uh, yeah, that's fine. And then you cut to Jane at the maid store at 11 minutes and 30 seconds. She's there um, and she says she... Uh, the guy at the maid store says, you can't have a robot without an appointment. And then Jane says, but my mom referred her to this store. And the concierge guy says, well, any mom's referral counts. And I'm like, uh, Jane is a mother? Right. So a self-referral should do it. Yep. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. 12 minutes, 25 seconds. This guy shows her uh, a robot made from Britain that she's not a fan of. He shows her a French-made robot and cue the Niagara of sex jokes about like French maids. Yeah, just um, awful. Yep. Yeah, it's like this man that you're buying a robot from is talking about fucking robots. And Jane decides, it's implied, she decides that she doesn't want the sexy robot in the house because she doesn't want the competition. Yes, right. And then Rosie comes out, the robot she actually goes home with, and the guy says, she's ugly, but that's why she's affordable. Yeah, it's just awful. It's so awful. And Jane's like, it's a free trial, though, right? Because Jane is actually white trash, and the guy is like, yes, you can take her home for free for now. So Jane, at 14 minutes and six seconds... Um, is home and the wrong kid comes home from school. So Elroy was right to school during advance because because apparently she can't push the right button out of seven. Right. And he comes home with a football eventually, and Judy comes home with homework, including including yeah language homework and the language of Esperanto. Yes, yes. Which I, I felt just like that was, was hysterical. Hysterical and and. Uh, by all means not redeeming but still great yes so uh we should do an episode on esperanto yes that would be fun was learning how to speak it so um the robot comes by and says don't worry judy i'll analyze all your homework and have answers for everything in 10 seconds yes yes so you know not only is judy suffering from um a, an eating disorder it appears she has problems with academic honesty as well 
so at 14 minutes, 15 minutes, 41 seconds, George is having like a spaz attack in his car en route home from work yes. because he knows that his boss is coming for dinner. Um, in the meantime, his kids love the robot. Uh, Jane has no way to cook dinner, but the robot's like, I got it. And then there's like a lot, it occurs to me right around, you know, like somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes. There's a lot of like latent classism in this. Yes. So there's like sexism, racism, and classism and ageism. Yep. And it's all rolled into one. There's also like, um, discrimination along like, um, like well i guess sexism the like appearances falls under sexism probably but there's the weird like i don't know how you would even discuss this there's probably lots of ways but like the fact that the robot is the outsider yeah um like it's not racism because it's about a robot but it's pretty close anyway there's a lot of like money versus luxury like jane's whole thing is like if she's doing her job right as the white lady in the house she shouldn't have to do anything right because she's solved all of her own domestic problems by offloading them onto other people yeah she's like winning i think i think there's also a little bit of with um with the with rosie the robot there's that issue of uh she's inhuman like yeah. she's not a human and, and so, so she can't be a slave right but i feel like there's a lot of parallels with um like housekeep like getting housekeepers and and having like staff um like i so i grew up in yeah. a in a very very white neighborhood and um lots of people were very very prejudiced against mexicans in particular because in san diego we live right on the border and so we have um plenty of international visitors and you know it's anyway i the, my point being is that a lot of the people who were particularly um like prejudiced or just outright fucking racist or what is the um xenophobic yes in particular uh yes but they were also the people who were like rich and had like mexicans like you know maids and people like tending their yard and shit and we're just like shitty people and i i it's hard for me not to make some parallel in the idea that um they also treated them slightly less than human right yes yeah so like uh there's another layer here there's like the displacement of humanity whether through racism or through like actual literal like there's the literal level of it being a non-human robot but like I feel like the only thing they didn't do with this robot is like give her a really crazy like like housekeeper accent from any of the places that there yeah. were stereotypes about housekeepers coming from. Right, right. Like in America, there's a legacy of black women doing the w- housework for white women, so white women didn't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah, like yep. going back to like the South and all kinds of things. So like that just totally like struck me. Even it's like, it's basically looks like they did everything they could to avoid actually like nailing the racist component of it. Yeah. Um, and the, what they did is they just were like, it's not racist because it's a robot. I like, yeah, I, I think this kind of goes back to what I was saying before, where I, I speculate about the state of the mind of the writers and whether, and this isn't to defend the show. um, I think it's to highlight a bigger issue, which is that this was just so um, institutionalized Uh that it was the, the state of the nation. Like the writers weren't necessarily um, 
more or less racist or assholes. It was just like or sexist. Like I, you know, again, not to well, defend I'm who they are. It's just like this is a representation of the state of the nation, like the acceptable social standard. If that makes sense. So, well, acceptable social standard according to like the asshole white guys. In yes, charge at the yes, time. absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that there weren't a whole classes of people who were, you know, I mean, it's well, it, like, you know, we had um, social movements during that period exactly because of this. Right. So, like, I think probably if we looked, I didn't think to look, but if you look at who wrote and directed and did the actual, like, animation and dialogue and all this stuff, I bet you will come up with a list of names that includes zero women. And probably <clears throat> most of the people, if we could go back and look, were probably white dudes. Uh, yeah. I mean, according to Wikipedia, the early directors, um, well, it was Hannah Barbera. It was William and Joseph Hannah and William Hannah and Joseph Barbera, right? Barbera. Yeah. yeah. So they were the earliest directors, um, both white dudes. Um, yep. And it doesn't list the writers specifically. Um, so, I mean, no, of course not. Yeah. Like, I, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm not implying that it was like everyone bought into this. It's just the oh yeah the the sort of the overriding sort of social dominance was this white bullshit, racist fucking sexist assholes, right? Uh, yeah, like it's just so. I mean, like there isn't any substance in this cartoon so far that isn't some of that. Like there's no there's no plot. There's basically nope. no plot. The plot relies heavily on like tropes about gender roles in the house yep. and men getting like it's just a sh it's like a shitting downhill chain it's like the guy at the top whose wife won't cook for him has to find somebody else to cook for him because he doesn't want to cook for himself right. and so he like shits on his employee George and George can't cook for himself because he's a guy and he has to like ask his boss who's shitting on him right. who can't cook for himself for a raise so that he doesn't have to cook for himself yeah. and so then he shits on his wife and his wife doesn't cook for herself because she she can't cook for herself because she's already fat and has to watch television instead right. to do exercises not to be fat so she can cook for George and also his boss because his boss's boss or whatever, his boss's wife won't cook for him and then the kids and all the things. Like, it's just a, it's literally like an exposition of how shit rolls downhill uh -huh. and the socioeconomic and racial stratification of society in the future, which is to say it's exactly the same as white men thought it was in the 1960s. Yes. Yep. Okay. So moving on, we're almost done. Okay. Um, at 20 minutes and 22 seconds, the boss, for some reason, I blacked out a little bit, I think, <laughs> where the boss is yelling because I was just like, oh, sensory overload. I can't handle it. And I come to when the boss accuses Jetson of having another job on the side and moonlighting because Rovi, Rosie the robot lights the boss's cigar and he accuses George of not being able to afford a robot on his wages because he knows how much his wages are because he pays him too little. Yes. And then the robot smacks him on the head and tells him to shut up. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay, at 21 minutes and 20 seconds, the boss fires George. Yep. Everyone laughs as the boss is leaving because he has cake on his head because the robot dumped it on his head. Uh -huh. And then the robot makes a sad, tearful goodbye and says, I know I have to leave because you can't afford me. And then everybody cries. So everybody goes from <laughs> laughing at George losing his job to crying because the robot has to leave. Yeah. 
And that's in the space of 60 seconds. Yes. And then right. 2225, Elroy reveals he's six and a half years old, which means uh-huh. the answer to my question of how far apart the ages are between yeah. Judy and Elroy, eight and a half years. Right. Yes. Why? Anchor baby. Ah, okay. So and then So Judy's yep. getting older uh and and Jane is just like this guy is garbage. I could do better. Yep. Because she, you know, is starving herself and looks amazing for 33 or whatever the implication is bullshit. Right. Um right. and so she's like fuck it, I'm out of here and then George is like, "Oh, better get my wife pregnant." Yeah, so that would have been when she was like 25. Yes. Yep. Or like 27. 27, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, wow, he ruined her life at 27. He ruined her life at 18 and then he did it again at 27. Yeah. Um. So at 22 minutes, 47 seconds, the boss videos Jetson from a visa phone. So, whoa, product placement. So we've got Colgate it's a visa- and we've got a visa phone. So it's actually a visa phone. Oh, like vision? Yes. Oh, I was As in excited it's, about that. I know, I know. No, visa wasn't really a thing in the 60s. I mean... Let's see. Nobody needed credit. They still had the gold standard. Right. Uh, or something. Just want to make sure. Or something like that. Uh, and, okay, so, yeah. And then, all right, so Visaphone. Boss phones jets in from Visaphone. Uh, he says he's giving him a raise because he liked the cake. So, yeah, Visa started in 1958, but I think they weren't really... Um, 1974 is when they really started to like take off yeah sorry anyway uh he yeah. liked the cake yeah so yeah so. yeah so because this robot was the only person who had the guts to say what the boss actually needed to hear and dumped cake on his head he liked the cake yeah and we've learned that this boss's highest good is just being fed like he'll, his loyalty <laughs> lies with whoever can feed him the best food him. <laughs> yes exactly and so he likes pineapple upside down cake and he says he's giving George a raise because he liked the cake. Yep. George uh, sends. George is like, "Oh no!" Because the robot left because he couldn't afford her. Right. And so he jumps in the space car and like rushes off to find her. And he's like, "Where could she be?" And his wife Jane is like, "She's probably at that bus stop." Yes. Which you know the implication is she's low class. She's clearly going to be at the bus stop. Right. Because Jane is a class warrior. Yep. And so um, the boss yells at him because George tells him, well, I don't have the robot anymore, so there's no pineapple upside down cake. And so the raise, you know, whatever. And the boss yells at him. Yeah. And so he goes and gets Rosie. And then Rosie, from that point on, assumes 100% of the parental responsibility in the household. And that is where the episode ends. Yes. Well, don't forget that when he goes to get Rosie, he literally just swoops down and abducts her in his little space car. That's right. He abducts her through the floor of the spacecraft. He doesn't like park the car and be like, Rosie, come back. He just like picks her up, snatches like, her from the bus stop. Oh, I found my object. Pick that up. Put it in my. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, but she's a robot. So it's fine. It's a thing. She has she's emotions because we know she cries when she had to leave and everyone eats out about it. But she yep. isn't. And autonomous. she says she loves them. She actually says, I love you. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> what a clusterfuck. Yep. I thought I was so ambitious yesterday. I was like, I'm going to rewatch those three episodes I watched and take notes. And I was like, I can't. I can't. No. This is taking forever. Yeah. I. <laughs> so um, I it did occur to me that uh, since we're we're kind of we've been discussing this and we're definitely pushing up towards the end of the hour. So we should 
yeah. look towards an end. Um, but it did occur to me that since there were new episodes produced in the 80s, in the mid 80s, it we might want to at least try and find and watch a couple of those just to get a sense of like how things have changed. Um, like what if we watch the very first one and the very last one? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking is I need to find the last one and see if there's a place yeah. to watch that. And then um, if we watch that, then we could at least get a sense of like where things ended up from a sort of social point of view um, sociopolitical yeah exactly yeah god i was just like holy shit this is incredible yeah i i certainly do not like th- as a kid it just seemed like there was more to it and i maybe you know that the first episode of any show is always a little weird because they have to do so much like setup mm-hmm yeah. To set this like here's the universe we're operating in and here's like here's what the rules are and how people respond to one another and like the backstory. Yeah. But I was just like, "Oh my god, like there wasn't even backstory. It was just like sex jokes, like sexist racist jokes." Yep. Yep, sexist racist jokes. And there uh it Yeah, I don't know. I was just disappointed and I thought I I all I can think is like I was pretty young when I was watching it. And I do remember being aware of those jokes and just discounting them as like not making sense. Yeah. Um, and like we kind of talked about, it's like, I think the thing for me was the, was just the gadgetry, the constant influx. The thing about the show is if you can possibly look past all the sexism and racism, which is very difficult to do, um, you can kind of see, you can see this other layer of like, the the creators of the show constantly creating new silly gadgets like the names of things like the visiphone or i can't remember what the name of the um the neutromatic machine or whatever that she pushes the buttons on to get the food out of and it's like yeah. an older version of it and then i think i watched a couple other episodes um where they start to get into like this world. So one of the things in one of the later episodes that stuck out in my mind because the houses are on these stilts was that um, yeah, at some point there's a superintendent of their building and I can't remember his name, um, but he's like this older like janitorial guy with a mustache. And, yes. um, and so Jane complains to George that uh, the weather's bad and that he, that he needs to go tell the superintendent to change the weather control to better weather. And eventually yeah. George talks to the superintendent and the superintendent then changes a dial to better weather. But what actually happens is the whole building moves up on its stilts. The stilts extend until it goes up through the rain cloud and it's above the rain cloud. That's amazing. Yeah. And so there are lots of little gags like that and things. And one of the things in this first episode that, um, I remember that you you mentioned, but it was kind of not ruined by you, but ruined by the show of, of the fucked up sexism and stuff. But when George is racing home, so like goes to work and then at the end of his workday, he's driving home in his little space car, which is basically kind of a, a spacey UFO with a glass bubble on top. Yes, right? I love the glass bubble. Yeah. And so like when you see him driving to work, he can sit up like really well in the glass bubble but on the way back when the um whenever when he's in traffic and there's like space cars above him and in front of him and behind him and below him he's crunched he's hunched over and the space bubble like adapts right so like in the screen in the shot he's hunched over the steering wheel like with the space car above him like pushing down on his head 
and you know and the bubble is still there it's just much smaller and so it just sort of it's funny how it implies um the the concept that like you're never shown that the that the bubble is mutable in that sense it's just sort of like Mm -hmm. oh and now in this scene he's he actually doesn't fit in the car and everything feels cramped and he's squished down um there's lots of little things like that that i really appreciate um and i just find it so difficult to watch um because it's like oh i would i really for a moment when i first started watching it i was like kind of went back to like saturday morning cartoons and um you know being a kid and eating cereal in front of the tv with like nothing to worry about um yeah and then you know and then and then the first scene starts and i was like oh god right i forgot how fucked up this is and then and then you know from there it's just a downward spiral as we've discussed so a downward spiral yeah i was it just I was not prepared for how frequent and thorough it was. Yeah. Like yep. I was I was expecting some like classless, tasteless jokes, right? Sure. Like yeah. cause like making fun of your bitchy wife or like your gold digging wife is like a really heavily relied upon trope that and uh the motivation to seek revenge because a woman was killed is like the plot driver for most movies. Yep. Yeah action movies anyway um yeah so women are either like being shit on or like killed in movies in order for there to even be a story right and that gets really tiresome but i was prepared for that with this because like the whole thing is about making a home in the future right like homemaking in the future that's what it's all about but i don't know are you back Okay, you froze. I didn't hear anything you said. Oh, no. Well, I was recording the whole time. I just okay. said that uh, I was expecting some tropes, but n- not like this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah ridiculous. <laughs> I was just overwhelmed by it. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Yeah, so, yeah. It's just every moment is just a setup to the next like racist or like sexist bullshit. And uh, there is zero representation by any any kind of diversity in the sense that we mean it these days like there were no there were definitely no black people there were no people of color of any kind um it's just white fair-haired men and and girls right um yeah anyway yeah george justin is a ginger yeah he's a ginger um their daughter judy just has white hair and their son Which has blonde hair. Weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he wears like a hat and a neck scarf and it overalls all the time. Yep. And George is in like blue jeans. Yep. And a polo shirt. Yeah, white polo shirt. Yeah. Yeah, Judy has like a pretty good sense of fashion. She does. And there's some better, I think in the first five episodes, there's one episode where she like, goes crazy over a um like a teenage superstar singer or something yes um and there is a scene where they're dance like her and her friends are dancing and it's pretty i i enjoyed that yeah um anyway yeah so uh do you have well what else can we say (laughs) i think i think we've i i think we've beaten the jetsons horse to death yes yeah or it beat me to death i don't know ah i get it i get it i get it yeah um <laughs> I was thinking that um 
when you're shocked and disappointed by things, it's because you had, it turns out, expectations that were way too high yes. or off the mark. Yes. And so my tip for living well in hell is to sometimes it just pays to lower your expectations. Yes. I think that is uh, a solid advice for living well in hell. Um, I mean, I got to do a critical analysis of the Jetsons, which was intellectually stimulating, at least. I haven't done that since I was like paying people to teach me things. So Right, right. So I put, I put it to use. Woo. <laughs> I wonder, I like, I don't even know what my own stance on this is. So it's maybe not a fair question to ask you, but what is your stance on appreciating racist art? Like, <gasps> Ooh, like, <laughs> and that's all the time we have today. <laughs> Look at that. 60 minutes. Yep. Well, to gotta go. go. Yeah. I'd love to answer that question, but, <laughs> but, uh appreciate can you give me an example well for instance appreciating the jetsons like i find the art of it still very enjoyable um except that it's super it's 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 inherently racist and very very sexist it's it's almost worse in its sexism than it is in its racism yes um it's kind of like uh it's it kind of sucks because okay if we look at the actual like art and design like the if you forsake all of the reasons why people might want to design in these ways yeah like can you separate those things i don't even know like why like their buildings are literally social climbing yep yep so, like, the is the design aesthetic separable? Can you separate that from the reasons why people would design that way? And if those reasons are racist, then is the design racist? I, I garbage don't know. in, garbage out, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Um, it makes me... So, the design aesthetic is definitely that, like, late 50s, early would you, 60s. Would, but, yeah. but what I'm saying is, would we have arrived at that design aesthetic without the things that created it right um and i don't know that that's true um Hmm. it's hard like on the face of it so if you look at like if we're on the face of it we're just talking about like say boomerang countertops right yeah um and you look at them by by in and of themselves you it's hard to say oh yeah that's a sexist racist thing but um if you kind of trace it back to the bigger picture. And this is kind of where I was going with the whole thing of the time period. Um, I think about like when you watch, uh, if you've ever seen that show, Mad Men. Yeah. Um, and you kind of start to like, look at the sixties, right? Like the early sixties, like corporate sixties, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of what the Jetsons is about, right? Like the Jetsons yeah, has that very... set in that same, um, then, yeah, it's like the, the ad industry. It's like, yeah. the ad, like ad, uh, ad and design companies it's like at the same aesthetic yes and so uh i would argue that no you can't separate those things because that was a very um like male white white male dominated directed time period like all of the art from that time all of the stuff that was created um and so you i mean that's one of the reasons like we're talking about the jetsons in this way because originally we were like oh great like we'll watch an episode of the jetsons and we can talk about some of the gadgets from a design point of view because they're ridiculous and we're not really going to be able to do much of that because it's just so overshadowed by the insanity of the 
the like sexism right. and racism. Like it's just like any conversation that takes place about the art or the design is entrenched in a conversation. Yeah. Uh, about why it was designed that way. Mm-hmm. And the why is always something sexist or racist. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And especially in the Jetsons, like all of the setups, like all the machines and stuff are in support of the fucked up sexist or racist jokes that are about to happen. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just like the hegemony. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, I think how I feel about it is that you can't, I can't really appreciate it. Like I, you can recognize it for what it is. I mean, I imagine like, for instance, like looking at Nazi propaganda, right. Or uh, like cold war era, like Russian propaganda, that kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. It has a, it has an aesthetic, but it's, it's very impactful. It's very impactful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in like the only thing I can really say about it is it's definitely art. You can't, argue i mean i i wouldn't argue that it's not art it's just its subject matter is not one that i care for yeah and is one that is arguably not good yeah i'll i i'll go i'll go with that yeah i we've done good work here we've done amazing work right yeah (laughs) um it took a while to get this one done because like we talked about doing it like a month ago yeah well i was like oh this is gonna be a piece of cake like this will be hilarious and fun and like really (laughs) lighthearted. right (laughs) what could possibly be more innocuous than saturday morning cartoons from our childhood um (laughs) well yeah and then i found out speaking of which i was like well at least we have ren and stimpy still right yeah no the fucking guy who did ren and stimpy was like a child molester uh so i but i I still love ren and stimpy oh i know this is um (sighs) it's tough so this is the uh this maybe dovetails well into an episode we've talked about doing which it was um i think our our working title was uh um people we love but now we have to or people we used to love but now we have to hate because of this yeah i think we called it famous artists we previously loved until we found out about this stuff Oh, yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leaves you in that that realm of, uh, you know, what, like, yeah, like, does yeah. does the person who created it devalue that? So in this case, it's not quite the same. Like, the work itself is devalued by itself. Like, it's not, like, you know, the writing of this show and the topic are the, the sort of ideas constantly harped on are are agreeably wrong um yeah and not not funny anymore um and probably not funny then other than white men who laugh at shit that's inappropriate all the time um Mm -hmm. and not like oh that's inappropriate more like dude you're betraying your asshole nature of being a shithead (laughs) yeah yeah work on that (laughs) (laughs) hey i mean i like as a as a you know middle-aged white man myself like my my stance always has to be like well hopefully we can get better because i don't i i can't you know i want to live i still want to be a you know a member of society um so all i can really do is hope to like better myself and get rid of that shit whenever i find it in myself because it's so fucked up like how much you just grow up with it and you're just taught this thing and it it, and no matter how self-examining you are at some level there's things that you're going to miss like it's hard to see Mm -hmm. 
like you know um so yeah anyway so i try to just shut up and do a lot of listening he says on his podcast that he talks on a lot (laughs) (laughs) this is like our little sandbox it is yeah we make little kitty turds in here yep and i'm pretty convinced that however many hundreds of people that are listening to this according to the analytics um i they don't they must enjoy it uh, whatever i mean maybe they're just laughing at home being like that those fucking chumps i don't know these i mean people, good i'm yeah, glad you're these entertained people are terrible yeah. these are terrible people yeah <laughs> there was a tv show about terrible people i think it's called terrible people horrible people <laughs> oh i was gonna say is it called the jetsons yeah <laughs> uh yes yeah well, anyway, um, so I guess we should try now and look for the, the the final episode and see how far they managed to drag their bloating, rotting the corpse across corpse the landscape across of social injustice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great job. Oh, nailed it. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good one that was we are on fire today yep so this is <laughs> i i guess for the sign off i was thinking something like this has been two white people complaining about a racist sexist cartoon in the 60s that we we erroneously loved as children or thought we did yeah, maybe we, we didn't erroneously even know what thought was going we enjoyed on. as children <laughs> good times good yeah times. good times we're all learning and growing together. Yes. Uh, speaking of which, I, hopefully by the time you listen to this, um, things will be resolved in a more positive direction in our country. Uh, I mean, we're... When is this? We're, we're Hopefully this will be published on the... Like this? Somewhere mid, mid-November. Mid-November, yeah. So anyway, good luck with that. Hopefully you're listening to this and laughing and you can laugh a little bit about racism in our country because we've, we've made good steps in the right direction, but probably not. If not, um, we'll try not to say, I told you so. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll keep, we'll just keep keep trying. We're all going to just keep trying. We're all going to keep trying. Um, Anyway, you can get a hold of us. If you'd like to complain about that, um, you can email us directly at um, well, you can go to our website, fcbm.io, where you can contact, you can get our email addresses um, either individually, collectively, or the best one is to email Dana, D-A-N-A, at fcbm.io. If you email her, she's our amazing executive assistant, and she will make sure your email gets routed to the right person. Um, you can also get us on social, Twitter, we are at fcbm underscore io. We also have an Instagram account, which is at fcbm.io, I believe. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, send us yeah. a message. Tell us all about what you thought about. Did you watch the Jetsons? Do you have a different take on it? Do you have design concerns around designing racism, I guess? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> let us know, and we will, uh, love, we'd love to hear from you. Okay. Okay, bye.